listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Our passage this morning comes from the book of Galatians in chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. It says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the actual sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations Be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And each and every week we gather and we pray that we have no idea where people are coming from. What has been going on in their lives that week. But Father, you do. You know exactly where we are. You know our greatest needs. And so, Lord, we uh, rely on you in this time. As we open up your word, would you speak to us? Give us the ears to hear and the minds to receive the truth that you have for us. Lord, we ask that you would bless the reading and the teaching of your word this morning. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Todd and band. And I tell you, it's good to be back. We... Missed being here last week. We took some time with our family, and it was great to be with them. But uh, I do, I have each and every week the best seat in the house. Uh, Appreciate Steve Hudson Pops uh, last week coming and preaching. I was able to log in online and get to watch that, and so that was great. But it is, it's the best seat because every week you get to look out and see God's people together. From your seating, you may not be able to see that, but from this vantage point... It is so great to know that in the center of this little town, behind the local Goodwill store, is this group of people that are faithful each and every week, that come and serve and love each other, and we we sing truth, uh, and we open up God's Word together. And so if you haven't found yourself there in Galatians chapter 3, I want to invite you to do that on your uh, devices or in your Bibles. We are going to kind of pick back up. We took a one-week hiatus from the series called Don't Be Fooled. And this morning, we are going to talk about something ancient. We're going to talk about something that many of us have not thought about it at all this week. And we are going to talk about something that predates us by 4,000 years. But although it's ancient and you or I probably haven't thought about it, and it predates us by almost 4,000 years, it is extremely important uh, for us today that we're going to talk about a word, blessing. Now this idea of blessing or blessings, it's a word that's used in a variety of ways. You can describe a person. You might heard someone say, they are as such a blessing. Or some event happens, and we would say, oh, I was really blessed by that. A gift, you receive something, and that present, man, it's a a blessing to you. And every time we think about this, I uh, hear the word blessing. My mind, my warped, strange mind has to go to uh, Christmas vacation. 
It's used in so many ways, and we talk about blessing. Remember they ask Aunt Bethany to say grace, and she can't hear them. And so Uncle Lewis says, the blessing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is this idea of the blessing. So it's a word that's used in so many ways. But I think at the core, at the center of this idea of blessing, is it something that brings us benefit. Someone is a blessing because maybe they honor you. Or a gift is a blessing because maybe it cheers you up. Or a person is a blessing because they come alongside you and they help you out. And so a blessing is something that is going to bring you, it's a way that brings you benefit. But over the years, I think we've actually lost a lot of the idea, the, the meaning, the heart behind blessings. For example, have your parents ever spoken a blessing over you? Or have you ever left someone's house and before you left they stopped and they blessed you? Or maybe you moved into a new home, started a new business and you had a blessing over that new adventure. And I know for us it actually seems kind of strange to do that or to think about that, leaving someone's house and we're actually going to bless them or we're actually going to gather our children together and we're going to bless them. And it seems almost mystical, but they're actually very, very biblical. The Bible, it is full of blessings. In fact, you could move to the beginning of your Bible at the list of books and you would not get very far. The first chapter of Genesis and you see blessing. God blesses in, uh, in chapter 5, the, the day 5, he blesses the sea creatures and the birds. On day 6, it says that he blesses humanity. You read through the Old Testament, you see blessings of protection. God blesses Noah. The greeting of Boaz is even a blessing. The blessing of Aaron in number 6. But I think of all the blessings you would read through the scriptures, probably one of the most familiar is Jacob and Esau. And it's always struck me as strange because you have these two brothers. You have these two brothers that, like most brothers, have a hard time getting along. And this blessing is found in Genesis 27 with Isaac, the father, and Jacob and Esau. But you probably remember this, that Esau comes in, he's very hungry, and he trades his birthright for some food. Now a birthright is that you would receive a double portion of your father's inheritance. So meaning, I was the oldest, so when Bill Kirkendall is called to glory, sorry brother, I get a double portion of that blessing. Now we haven't told my brother that, but that's what's going to happen. Well the story goes on, and the father is hungry. Isaac is hungry, so he sends the hunter uh, Esau out to gather food. But Rebekah, the mother, she plans uh, an attack on the father with her favorite son. They dress him up in some fake clothing and they send him into his father. And his father then gives him, the, the, the second brother, Jacob, receives the blessing that was due to Esau. And it's so interesting that when he sold his birthright, Esau was upset about it, but he, he kind of knew what he was getting into. But when he lost his blessing, it says that in the scriptures that when this happened, that once I'm over mourning my father, I will kill 
my brother. And that is, that is how important the blessing was to this brother. So then what is? What is a blessing? Because I think in our modern context, we have often lost this. It's so valuable. It makes it so prized. Well, I think in Scripture... I think you see five things always, it seems like, at least the study I did. Every time you see blessing, you see five things. First thing you see is often meaningful touch. We talk about Isaac and, and Jacob. He brings the brother, he brings Esau close to him. That's why Jacob was covered himself in, in goat skin and hair. Is Isaac even said, come close and kiss me, my son. I mean, there's always a meaningful touch. There's a relationship in this blessing. But then you often see spoken or even written words, meaning Isaac verbally spoke a blessing over his son. Then there's this idea where the one giving the blessing is going to attach value to that person. Isaac calls Jacob, he says, my son and he's attaching value to Jacob that he isn't just some ordinary man. Jacob, you are my son, not just a servant. Then there's this idea of picturing a, a future, a, a special future for this person. In Genesis 27, it reads, he says, his crops that uh, would be plentiful, people would serve him and nations would bow down his brothers and blessings would come to him. Anyone that blessed him would then be blessed. And so there's this picture of a special future. But then the last element you often see is that it's closed up by a commitment from the person. Even though Isaac was old and about to die, he expressed his commitment to his son. He says, cursed be anyone that curses you. Meaning, I am behind you. Blessed is anyone that would bless you. That's my commitment to you. But there's also another blessing that perhaps might be even more familiar than Jacob and, and Esau. It's the idea, it's the man that we're going to see and read about today. But the most amazing thing about this blessing is that it could involve you. So let's look at Genesis or Galatians chapter 3. Remember, we're picking up. Uh, but I want to go back into verse 6 where we left off two weeks ago. And this is how it reads. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so that's where we left off last week. That for these first two chapters, Paul has been laying this foundation. He's been laying this foundation that he's defending, first of all, his authority as an apostle, but also the importance of the gospel message. And for Paul, this was more important than anything, even his life, that the gospel must stand. So let's remind you what the, the major issue was with, that he was addressing in Galatians, that Paul was preaching the gospel of Christ. It says a person is justified, they're made right, they're reconciled with God through faith alone in Christ, period. The Judaizers are coming along behind him. They're saying, yes, Paul means well, but he just doesn't get it quite right. He's not really giving you all the story. He says, yes, believe in Jesus, but if you really want to be a true Christian, then you also need to really become a Jew. 
Because often we really are the chosen people. And so here's all that you need to do, you know. You need to let, let us uh, perform a little surgery on you. Uh, you're going to change your diet. Your clothes need to be altered. We're going to give you a list of rules that if you really follow these, then, yes, you will finally be one of us. You'll finally be a son of Father Abraham. What well, goes on. He's trying to make the point that justification, being reconciled and made right with God, is by faith alone and not works. So Paul's going to reach way back and say, well, let's talk about someone. There's someone that is really important to you, Jews. It's Abraham. So let's think about, then, if, if he is our father, then how was he justified? How was he made right with God? Was it by the law? Or was it by faith? So Paul takes them back to Genesis chapter 15. And what is so important about this is the timing. That when Abraham, when, when Abraham, when Father Abraham was counted as righteous, so God makes this. This is what happens. God makes a promise to, to Abraham. You know, the one that had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. So he goes on, and God made a promise that, yes, you would be, you would have descendants as numerous as the stars. But Abraham didn't even have one son, much less numerous as the stars. But God promised him, he said, listen, Abraham, I'll give you a son, and through you, the nations would be blessed. And it says that Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or credited. Righteousness was put in his bankrupt account. And he was declared, he was pronounced right in the eyes of holy God. Before the law, in according to the covenant seal of circumcision. So here's Paul's point. He says, Father Abraham, he was declared righteous before the law was even given. Then how could we expect the Gentiles... To be required to keep the law in order for them to be justified. In fact, the truth is that circumcision was merely a sign that you belonged to the Jewish faith, not a condition for it. It was a sign that you were a part of this covenant. So let's talk for a little bit about then what was this covenant, if it is so important. So before God called Abraham, in fact, there was no Jewish nation. There wasn't a nation to speak of. But in Genesis 12, God told Abraham, first of all, you're going to leave your family, and you're going to leave your country, you're going to leave everything you know. And it says, I'm not even going to show you where it is, I'll just tell you when you get there. So by faith, Abraham packs all that he has, and he obeys. God promised him, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll make your name great. And that he would be a blessing. So God also said, I'll bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. So when he gets to Canaan, God said that one day I'm going to give you this land. But two important things. Abraham is 75 years old and uh, he doesn't even have children because his wife is barren. But second of all, Abraham is going to have to wait on this promise. God shows him the land, but says, you don't get to go there yet. They were not even allowed to go into the land. So then in Genesis 15, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. He promised him once. He stated it again that Abraham, 
I will bless you. You were the father of many nations, but Abraham is still childless. So God says, but I promise you, I will give you a son. And this is where God shows him the stars. And Abraham believed God, not just in the existence that God is there, but he believed that God could be trusted. And it says then that he was counted as righteous. But then comes the amazing part in the sealing of the covenant. This promise is made to him. It goes beyond anything he can imagine. His circumstances, there's no way this could happen. So God says, but Abraham, let me show you. You see, what would happen when two people would enter in a covenant relationship to show how serious you were, you would come together with that other party, you would select an animal, you would cut the animal in half, lay one half on one side of the path or the road, the other half on the other, and you would join arms and you would cross through this slain animal. And what you were saying to that other person, to anybody that might be watching. I am so serious about this covenant that you and I are entering into, that if I break my side of the covenant, let what happened to that animal happen to me. But here's the cool part. Genesis 15, this is how it reads. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. So note that. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward... They will come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back there in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of the Euphrates. So it was God himself that passed through the pieces, not Abraham. Abraham's out cold. And it is God is the one that says, Abraham, you don't understand. I am the one that is going to feel this covenant, not you. It does not depend on you. Abraham, you will receive the blessing. But I, the Lord, I am the one it will depend on. And then, then comes the sign of the covenant. Genesis 17, almost 30 years after the first promise, God comes to Abram again, and that is where he changes his name to Abraham. Listen to Genesis 17, just so that we get the full context. And this is how it reads. And I will establish my covenant between you, between me and you, and your offspring throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To the God, to, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. 
And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting covenant, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Each male among you shall be circumcised. So the sign, the the belonging to be included in this covenant was circumcision. It was the sign of the covenant. It was a sign of belonging to this idea of the Jewish blessing. But it was not the condition. The the promise was to Abraham and his children. And their children. And their children. So naturally this is what was happening. A Jew thought they were included in the Jewish blessing because of their bloodline. They were the sons of Abraham. And as long as you could, could draw your heritage... And you get on the website or whatever, heritage.com, and as long as you could trace your line back to Abraham, then you were good. But what Paul comes to realize is that it is not a bloodline that made a person a son of Abraham. So look at verse 7. Know then, as Abraham was counted to him as righteous, he believed God. Know then... Know then, or so then, that it is true that of those of faith who are actually the sons of Abraham. So if Abraham is counted righteous through faith, then anyone of faith then becomes a son of Abraham. And Paul got it. And is therefore included that the blessing that God would be their God, that is those, that is his children, and that is how the blessing is passed on. So Paul's going to move then from the example of Abraham to the Scriptures. Look at verse 8. And the Scripture, hold on to that word. Think about that for just a minute. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So three things you need to note about this. It's what in the world does Paul mean when he says, And the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. Because do you want to know how much of the Bible Abraham had? He didn't have any of it. It had not been written yet. But the scriptures foretold, spoke to Abraham. How can the scriptures, how can it speak to Abraham when it wasn't even around yet? You see, when Abraham received the blessing, the scriptures were not yet written. So what Paul means is that God, as recorded in the Scripture, said, God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham did not just read it, he believed what God was telling him. So for Paul, what Paul is saying, that the words that are recorded in the Holy Scriptures are nothing less than the living voice of God. And Abraham heard it. So then what was preached to Abraham? Well, centuries before Jesus was even born, Abraham received in this word from God the the promise of the Messiah. And Abraham got to hear that from God. 
But what was the blessing? What, would it, what was it that would come from Abraham to the nations? What is this blessing? Well, the blessing is exactly what he had promised. The blessing was that the Messiah would come from Abraham. And from Abraham, Isaac. And from Isaac, Jacob. Not the firstborn, but the second. And then what is so great, you, you read through the Gospel of John. You get to chapter 8. And then you finally move your way to verse 6 and you read, Your father Abraham, he rejoiced that he would see my day. The words recorded of Jesus. And then it says, He saw it and he was glad. Abraham received this promise that through you all the nations would be blessed. And Abraham got to witness it. So the blessing was that the Lord would be their God and Abraham's children would be his children. So anyone then naturally that is a son of Abraham, and it says would be blessed. So through Abraham was going to come great blessing of belonging. But in order to belong, the Messiah had to come and to make the union possible. So then here's Paul's conclusion in verse 9. So then, or if all of that then is true, then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what he's saying is that the descendants of Abraham are soul brothers rather than merely blood brothers. The Jewish were counting on their family tree to make them right with God. But Paul shows his listeners That it's not your bloodline. It's not your bloodline that makes you right. It's not your family tree that makes you a child of Abraham. But it's faith. But it's not just any faith that makes you right. You can have faith in a lot of things. But he tells us, notice in verse 9, it is faith like Abraham. So I want you to know, if that's what gets me right with God, then I want to make sure I understand what this faith is and that I have it. So what is faith like Abraham? One of the things I see reading the Scriptures is that it's a non-boasting faith. I mean, think about Abraham. To boast, it's, it's if you get to take credit or you get to lay claim to something. Abraham... He could not take credit for his faith even. It was 430 years before the law was given. And almost 30 years before the sacrifice or the command to sacrifice Isaac. That Abraham was credited as righteousness. Even before his greatest test. So God is the one. God is the one that made the covenant with Abraham. And he knocks him out cold. And then God is the one that passes through the pieces. That only God passed through. And he did this based on his grace, not Abraham's works. In fact, Abraham didn't do anything but sleep. But believing something. He believed someone. He believed God. But it's a non-boasting faith. But also it's a faith that is beyond all reason. Romans 4, Paul says, It gives us another example of Abraham trusting God that would fulfill his promise to give him descendants as numerous as the stars when he and Sarah are so far beyond the normal age of childbirth. So when reason 
would have shown probably only doubt and despair. Abraham believed. In fact, Romans chapter 4 verse 21, he says, Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. It's amazing that faith is beyond all reason. I mean, none of us could even imagine what it would be like to walk up on that mountain with your son in tow, knowing what God had commanded you to do, and you were willing to do it. Probably believing, God, you've, or God, you've told me that I'm going to be the father of many nations, that through me, all the nations would be blessed. I have this one son, and if you're going to have me take his life, it goes beyond all reason that I'm still going to trust. So it's a kind of faith that's contrary to every part of what you might think makes sense. But it's also a faith, and don't lose this, because I know we've been talking a lot about grace and and that it's all about that, not about works. But it's also a faith that I see in Abraham that generates obedience. Abraham's faith did not lead to living life like he wanted. There's no way Abraham wanted to climb that mountain with his son. Abraham's faith was not a faith that released him from the obligations of the law. Abraham's faith, it was confirmed by his good works. In fact, at age 99, have no idea why at 99, it's at 99 that he that goes and gets circumcised. But God works and he does something about bringing righteousness to us through our works. But it is not us working that makes us righteousness. But it shows that righteousness has been granted to us. Now I love how John Calvin puts it. He says, when we are justified by faith alone. But the faith that justifies, it is never alone. There's always going to be evidence of the Spirit working in a person's life. But it's also a faith, when you look at Abraham, it's a faith that honors God, not us. When you're looking at this faith that honors, it's the one, when looking at faith, and and what happens is that faith honors the one that's being trusted in. Faith does not bring honor to Abraham, but the one that he is trusting in. Faith honors God because it says, you know what, God, of all the things that are out there, You're the only thing that is trustworthy. When God's word gives a command about how to conduct our lives and we obey it through faith, guess what? It honors God. So this is the type of faith we're to live by. When you trust God, you know what? You will do things that the world thinks is crazy. There are people that think, why in the world are you not sleeping in and just enjoying your Sunday? Why in the world would you go and gather with a group of people and do the things that you do? Why do you take and give part of your time and your resources, your money, to this weird thing called the church? Why do you parent your children in the way that you do? Why do you not jump like everybody else is doing into certain things? It's because we're people that are living by faith and we realize this life is not about us. And when we trust in God, we will do things that the world thinks is crazy. Not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but simply because we believe God. And people who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, you know what? They don't just sit back and indulge in sin in the ways of the world like everyone else. Because Abraham didn't. But he made mistakes, absolutely. In fact, 
Abraham gets a little nervous twice for his own life, and he lies about who his wife is, and she gets married to someone else. But Abraham, even though he made some horrible mistakes, he always listened to God's correction. He yielded to God's correction. He honored God, not himself. So if it's faith like Abraham that makes you a child of his, then what's the blessing and how are we a part of it when it is over 4,000 years later? Well, go back to the five elements. Is there meaningful touch? Scriptures tell us that God became one of us. He didn't just exist beside us. He took on our humanity. He became one of us so that we could relate to Him and He would relate to us. can't think of anything more meaningful than giving up what He had to take on humanity. Then it was a spoken or a written word. God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the disciples. Through His Word that you hold in your hands, He is speaking to you, attaching value. You realize that when you are a child of Abraham, it says you are a child of the Most High God, an heir of Christ. I can't think of anything that has a higher value than that. Then does it picture a special future? Meaning there is a future, it says the scriptures, a future of hope. An inheritance that is so valuable and so beautiful that it is kept in heaven so that nothing tarnishes it. But is there a commitment? Is there a commitment on the one giving the blessing? That God tells us over and over again, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that I'm the one that began a good work in you. I will bring it to completion. So over and over and over again, Paul has been trying to get his listeners to grasp that it's through faith alone that one is blessed, not by works. So imagine a wealthy man. Imagine a wealthy wealthy man offers you and your family a home in Hawaii. No payment, no strings attached, and you can use it whenever you want. So it's not only that you don't do anything to receive this promise. You can't even do anything to help this wealthy man fulfill it. You have nothing to offer. The only thing you can do, the only hope you have of this home is to trust in the promise. Namely, that when you get to Hawaii, there will be a house and your name will be on it. So you see, it's through believing that you receive what was true of Abraham. And hopefully, hopefully it's true of you and me that's through believing you receive. Therefore, I think that surely there is no overstatement To think that the most important concern in your life, in my life, is to make sure that you are a child of Abraham. And you only get there by believing. And so here's the challenge this week. Spring is just around the corner. Things begin to change. Hopefully you're outside more. You're enjoying the things around you. 
is to always remember that you are belonging through believing. You're blessed through believing, not by doing. But then the challenge, then the challenge is because you have been blessed, go and be a blessing. Let me pray. Father, this morning, we hopefully have honored you in our worship. We've honored you in our teaching of gathering together as your children. And Father, there are many things that we could chase after, many things that we could set our lives to be about. But the most important question that we could ever ask ourselves, the most important concern we could have, is to make sure that we are your children, that we are children of Abraham. And Father, we could never get there on our own. We're just like Abraham. You are the one, Lord, that has to do all the work. And then for those of us that have that realization, I mean, that should motivate our lives to love and to serve well. So Father, we thank you for your gift of grace and mercy, and may we live that truth out before those around us. So Lord, it's in your Son's name that sits at your right hand that we are ready for him to come and call his bride home. Through the power of your Spirit, amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.